Good to be with you on this last Sunday of August, which the good news in that is, is September's coming. Uh, It's going to get cooler. I promise at some point it's going to change. We got a little bit of reprieve today even that feels a little bit better. But man, I'm looking forward to fall, looking forward to the change of the season. Excited that you're here. We're already off to a great fall start. It was a good week for our church this this last week. And it was a good week for you, good week for us as uh, we... We had Wednesday night, our first full Wednesday night this last week, everyone back at it, teens, youth and everything. We had 201 under the age of 18 in our church this last week, 96 high schoolers and middle schoolers, 105 kids. It was an awesome, awesome night. Great way to get started. And then Friday night, Pastor Aaron had one of his outreaches, his Friday frenzies. He's been trying to break a hundred in an outreach and he blew that out. They blew it out of the water. Those kids invited their friends 140 middle schoolers this last Wednesday night absolutely 140 middle schoolers here and only one thing pastor Aaron reported got broken in the church only one thing and only one kid got kicked out so anyway I think we did pretty good and so anyway it was a it was a good good night and a great time and uh, looking forward to the ministries embrace grace got their start that's our ministry uh, to un, unplanned pregnancies of single moms and dads embrace life and then embrace legacy embrace grace and uh, I know God is working already and they're excited because God is working in the lives of his people so it's a good day to be here glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, we are here uh, in a series called The Elephant in the Room that Pastor Dustin kicked us off with last week, and it is about money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> Who's excited to talk about money today, huh? Just me. Okay. All right. I know it is the elephant in the room. And uh, when we talk about money, uh, it's one of those things that uh, people don't always enjoy. But hey, last week, Pastor Dustin started us off with this. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. And it was talking about God's plan for us to not be in bondage to debt, to get out of debt. And uh, we are believers in this. Uh, we're excited. We so believe in this that um, Financial Peace University, we're offering starting on Wednesday nights. Uh, again, you have child care already built in because of our kids all the way up through 18. Uh, but we believe in this so much that it costs $80 for this course. But if you complete the course, we're going to give you a $100 bill at the end because we just believe in it that much. We believe not only will you gain $20 by completing the course, but you also... Um, you'll also uh, erase a lot of your debt and you'll be on a road and a better path and your lives will be filled with greater hope. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, we have some people that were excited about this that have already been on that path to financial freedom or on that path to financial freedom. Uh, one family gave $1,000 this last week because they want to give those $1,000 bills to the first 10. So the church isn't on the hook for that. And so we, that's one thing that uh, is already uh, someone else gave some money this week, uh, came in and gave a gift because uh, maybe 80 is, uh, you're going, I, I can't do that. We don't want any excuse. Um, and if you find yourself in a place that you need some help, please come and see one of the pastors. Come and see me. We want to help you. Uh, we really are for you. And we want to see you uh, move on to financial freedom in your life. And so uh, today, the elephant in the room 
Um, then there's one more next week, but the elephant in the room is, uh, something that I, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward for me. Uh, I don't like talking about money myself. I'm honest. You think you're awkward or on You know, it's think about how awkward it is for me up here with all you looking at me. Um, so, uh, when I first, even going back to my sophomore year in high school, my first job was Chick-fil-A in the mall of Topeka, Kansas. And my friends, according to their story said that I was chicken and afraid to go ask for my first paycheck. They said my mommy had to go get my first paycheck. And so I think it's probably true, but I had PTSD. I don't remember it. He was a life, the owner and the operator was a lifelong military man. And I was scared to death of him. And the other thing is why I sold insurance before I uh, was called into the ministry. And the hardest thing was to ask for the check for the sale. I hated doing that. So today's a little bit out of my comfort zone as well. Um, today's going to be a little bit different message than our normal uh, series and normal things. But um, I just think it's going to be good for us in the end. It's going to be good for me to challenge myself in this way. It's going to be good for you. And I hope you'll find that at the end. And I've been reading a, a book. I just started reading a book recently. And it says uh, in, the, in the small captions, it says, Say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't be mean about it. Say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't be mean about it. So this is my attempt at that today. Let's get started. There are Christians in this room who pretend to be serious followers of Jesus, yet don't tithe. Ooh, ouch, crickets, it's quiet. Okay, I hear a few things. So I know that you're alive. I know, I know you're listening. So this is, you know, we're, we're all in. Um, you know, we're all in, but we're not really all in. Uh, we may be, it may be people around you that you don't know who they are because we keep everything confidential. Only Brian, who was up here on the worship team here today, um, he is our treasure and bookkeeper. He's the only one that knows everybody and what they, what they give. Someone's got to do the, the record keeping of those things. Um, other than him, no one. I know little bits because at different times when we're looking for like board members or leadership, I'll go to Brian and Hill's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't ask that person. I mean, they're just not in that place yet. And so um, it's just this part of uh, part of the journey that we're in. But no one knows who is you know, in this category and who is not, um, because it's very private matter. We don't like to talk about those things and understandably so. But the reality is, there's people that are like, they're in here, they, they look all in, they're serving, um, they, they attend regularly, but there's zero or next to zero financial commitment to the church. And so this morning we're going to talk about this and I, uh, I know it's a little bit different. It is the elephant in the room. Um, all pastors deal with this pastor. There's a pastor, Brian in Philadelphia. Uh, he leads a church of about 2000 people. And he went to his Brian, his treasure bookkeeper a couple of years ago. And he said, hey, I want you to give me a list of people in our church who, um, you know, they, they seem to be all in. They're excited about our church. They're serving in our church. They love what our church is doing, but they're just not financially vested. They're, they're not giving. I want to invite them to my home and I just want to share vision and I want to talk about tithing and the, and the joys of tithing. And so he gave him this list. He invited these people. These people didn't know why they were invited. They were just great people, but just weren't invested in the church and invested in tithing. And before he could even get started, he was starting to say, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk to you about tithing. And a hand went up and there was a lady in the back. Um, she, 
educated, strong person. Um, she was a doctor. And she said, Pastor, before you say anything, can I say something? And she, he said, absolutely. And so um, she began to talk about the joys of giving and the joys of tithing and how much her husband and her have benefited from it and how much they love giving. And he's thinking to himself, uh, you know, what's going on here? She, and you know the reason why she was on this list, invited to my house, invited to our house. And she said, Pastor, before you go on, can I say a little bit more? And he's like... This is going to be interesting. Sure, go ahead. And she just went on and on about the blessings of giving and the blessings of tithing, but she was pretending. And the reality, this is every church. This is not something that is, there's one, every single church in America and in the world deals with this, is that 53% of Christians have not given to their church in the last month. This is the big elephant in the room. Now, before I go on or before I go forward, let me say this. This is not for those who are not Christians. This is not a message for those who are not professing to follow Jesus. In fact, a few weeks ago, uh, as we were finished up the I Am series, Heather was like, hey, what's the next series? What's coming up? I said, the elephant in the room. And she was like, ooh, sounds interesting. What's it about? And I said, it's about money and stewardship. She goes, Okay, you know my wife, she's an inviter, she invites friends, but she's like, I'm out for the next couple weeks. Uh, And just so you know, in a few weeks, we're going to start a new series. And I'm really excited about it. It's called The Names God's Changed. And you think about Saul to Paul and, and Simon to Peter and Jacob to Israel. And God changed their lives. And it's a story about how God wants to change our lives. I'm really excited about this new series coming up. But today she's like, okay, um, anybody that comes with me now, um, sorry, uh, anybody that comes with me now, they just, they received an old invitation. They're coming on their own today. And so that's what, that's what happens. But other than that, she's not sending out any texts, any invites today and tomorrow uh, or for next week. But um, this is for those who say, uh, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. This is my church. Because I think God sometimes probably, he's just looking at his people and saying, hey, I, I don't get it. I don't get why my people don't give. I don't get why my people don't trust me. That's where we're going today. It's the elephant in the room. We're uh, talking about money. Um, I was thinking about how it's awkward for me. I was thinking, hey, if you've been around any length of time, whether you've only been here a year, maybe you've been here the whole eight years that Heather and I have been here, you would know that we preach on this two, maybe three times a year. Uh, We don't do it often. And uh, in fact, I've kind of thought it this way. You can be glad I'm your pastor and not Jesus. <laughs> and, and that sounds arrogant and it sounds blasphemous. But hear me out here. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about money. Two thirds, nearly two thirds of his parables and teachings were on the subject of money because Jesus knows how important money is. And he said it and he summed it up best with this. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He knows that we put our money with the things that we value, the things that we treasure. We spend a lot of money on our kids. We value our kids. You spend a lot of money on your grandkids. We value our grandkids. We spend money on things that we value in the treasure. Last week's elephant in the room was debt. Uh, This week's elephant in the room I mean, last week was, uh, we asked everyone that I commit to attack and pay off all my consumer debt. 
Now, we want you to take financial peace. We think, I've, Heather and I have taken it before. Um, it's a great, it's a great nine-week course, 630. Um, and we've already talked about that. You can sign up for that. Pastor Nate tell you how to do that at the end if you want to know. Um, but this is something that we said, hey, let's do this. And even on our hub, on our website, Pastor Dustin put some other tools on there that even if you don't take the course of ways that you can start tackling debt so you can become more financially free. And so we are asking every Christian that I commit to tack and pay off all my consumer debt. Today, I'm asking everybody in the room to live generously, to give generously. In fact, I'm asking everybody that calls himself a Christian in this room today that they would begin tithing. I'll talk about what that is in just a minute. And you may be thinking a little bit, well, what about the people? You haven't even dressed the people online today. You didn't welcome them. I thought at this point, they're probably like, honey, let's, uh, let's go down to uh, IHOP and let's get some pancakes or let's go to the, let's go get some waffles. You know, let's turn in next week. So, I mean, if you're still on, I apologize that I have offended you or that I didn't have that kind of faith in you. But I just thought it'd be easy just to click the button at this point. But I got a captive audience in here. We got the doors locked. You can't get out on either side over there. So... Anyway, I'm just kidding. Today, I'm asking that I commit to tie 10% of my income to the church. And I know at this point, if you're following along in our notes, I know at this point there's could be some cynics and there's some skeptics. And you're thinking, oh, this is just the ploy of the church. This is the ploy of our pastor, the ploy of our pastor to give more money to the church. No. No, it's not. In fact, I want something And we want something for you, not something from you. I'm not preaching this message today, nor have I ever preached this message. And fortunately, I've never been in this situation that we are getting to a place that, hey, we might have to let go of staff or one of our pastors. I'm not preaching that. We're not in jeopardy of that today. Uh, We're not in jeopardy of the lights going out today. God has taken care of us. Two weeks ago when the air conditioning went out, had nothing to do with not paying the bills. The air conditioning went out and we got it fixed. And so, I mean, those things happen. But I just want you to know that we want something for you, not just something from you. That's why next week I'm really excited because next week is about building wealth and how it's not a sin. We're not a prosperity gospel church. Hear me out. But we do believe that God wants to help us little by little, not get a lottery ticket and get rich, but over a period of time. We're going to talk about that next week. In fact, if you're under the age of 30, I'm really excited for you because the younger you are, the more exciting next week's message is going to be for you. The more hopeful it's going to be for you, the more encouraging it's going to be for you. Now, it's never too late to start what we're going to talk about next week. But man, I just went over this with my daughters, 23 and 21 they're excited. And if I can get them excited about talking about money, this is a great message next week for those who are under the age of 30, but all ages it applies to. But today's message is I commit to give 10% of my tithe. Why? Three reasons. Three reasons why tithing is the most important thing you can do to get ahead financially. You're like, really? Uh, you give away and you're going to say this is... Uh, this. I get the debt part, I get the saving part next week, but really this is one of the three things. Yeah, I believe this is the most important thing you can do. Because when you do this, we're going to talk about this, three reasons why. One is God commands us to tithe. God commands us to do this. Um, So we teach it. I don't teach this because it's my favorite subject. I don't get as excited as I'm portraying up here about talking about this. But we teach it because... God teaches it. 
It's in his word. It's in the scriptures. Uh, Money's a big part of our lives. And I want you to know that we also don't teach what we don't live. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I can tell you all of your pastors tithe. All of your pastors give. My last church that uh, I was there, I had two pastors. Um, it was a large staff and I had two pastors, one that I had hired and uh, was not giving and I had to address that. And thankfully he chose to make a, a change and begin to give and tithe because um, I believe that's what you're supposed to do. There was a guy that I inherited as one of my staff in the first month. I had to address him and talk to him and say, hey, you know, you're not, you're not tithing, you're not giving. I won't have this conversation with anybody in the church, but as a member of our team, as our staff, I have to have this conversation with you. And he was like, you know, I, I, I get it. I get it. But, um, I, I, um, I tithe my time. And the first thing that was kind of going through my mind, I regret that I didn't say it was that doesn't make any sense to me because, um, our people, uh, they work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And then they come and they serve at the church. They're not at home laying on their couches, doing nothing, just saying, Hey, can't wait till I get my hour opportunity, two hour opportunity to serve at the church. No, they're working 40, 50, 60 hour weeks. And then they come serve. Secondly, it's not biblical. There's, it doesn't hold water. There's no place I can find in scripture. In fact, we're to give it all to God, our time, our talent and our treasure. But the third thing was, and I did say this is you're double robbing God. Because not only are you not giving, but you're receiving your income and your salary from the church and you're not doing. And, and that person wasn't on my staff very long. He did go take another church. And as he left the door, I did say this to him too. I said, do not ask your people to give if you're not doing it yourself. You need to set the example and you need to do it. So uh, today, I just believe he's double robbing God. Will a, it says in Malachi, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you say, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And we, a couple things from these just first two verses. We think, how are we robbing God? Well, if we're God's, everything is his. In fact, even if we're not God's, everything is his. It's just when we become a believer and a follower, we commit everything and say, yes, everything is God's. God is the owner of everything. So we're not really giving to God. We, we're returning to God. We're not really giving, we're returning and, and it's his to begin with. And we believe as followers of Jesus that everything is his, everything is his and and then he takes the second part about this. I don't like to spend too much time on that because it's just like he takes stewardship seriously. God takes stewardship seriously in our life. We give an account for how we've used the resources that he's given us. And I don't believe it's like, you know, Jesus came and broke the curse through his death on the cross. So I don't believe it's that same curse. But I don't believe either that we should be praying for God to help us with our finances when we're not trusting him with our finances. He said, bring the whole tithe, whole tithe. Now tithe, I just grew up in the church. So this always made sense to me. I just was taught at an early age, but for some it's like, what is a tithe? A tithe simply means a 10th. It means 10%. And some people say, oh, that's just an old Testament law. It's, it's, it, Tithing was before the law. Abraham gave to Melchizedek uh, a 10% tithe long before, hundreds of years before the law was introduced. And Jesus didn't do away with the tithe. He said it's better to, to, um, 
it's better for um, us to love mercy. But he said, do not neglect the former without, without doing the latter. He's saying, do both. He, he affirms the tithe. In fact, I don't see where in scripture, and Pastor Nate talked about this several weeks ago, that there's no place in scripture that Jesus came along and says, hey, do less. Be less generous. Be less generous. But bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Storehouse in the Old Testament was the temple. For the New Testament, it's the church. It's the gathering of the church that we bring the tithe in. That there may be food in my house. God is saying, you know, he was saying to them, you're taking care of your homes. You're taking care of your cupboards. You're making sure everything that you have, you're full. That you're well taken care of, but you're neglecting me. You're neglecting my house. But bring the tithe, bring the first, bring the 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. We're going to come back to that. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open, open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough room enough to store it. This is about not giving, but it's about returning. He said, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before the before their ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. There, there's not enough time to talk about it today, but I just in a nutshell, there's blessings that God gives us. There's protections that he wants to give us. He, he wants to protect our livelihoods. That doesn't mean we never lose our job or nothing bad ever happens. Uh, but there is, there is blessings. There's provision. There's protection for his followers. And the biggest lesson of all in this, in the last verse, is this. God wants his people to test him. God wants you to test him. You won't find this anywhere else in scripture. In fact, when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and he was fasting and at the end of that, the devil came and he tempted him three different times. And one of Jesus's response was quoting the word saying to, to the enemy, he said, thou shall not test the Lord, your God. Scripture says that you shall not test the Lord, your God. And yet here God invites us to test him. He wants us to test him. Why does he want us to test him? Because he wants us to trust him. He wants to prove his faithfulness to us. He wants to show us that he is a faithful God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. God wants us to test us. God wants us to test him because God wants to bless us. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is not a give and you're going to get a Ferrari. That's not what this is. This is not a name it, claim it. And as I was at my aunt and uncle's uh, memorial service in Independence, Kansas yesterday, one of their lifelong friends came up to me telling me about his 10 grandchildren. He didn't know what I was preaching, 10 great grandchildren. He didn't know what I was preaching on today, but he just began to talk about God's blessings. And he said, you know, Kent, he said, there's a lot more blessings that God has. People think blessings, they always think financial 
They always think money. They always think stuff and things. And it's, you know, he didn't say this. Hashtag blessed, you know, new car. Hashtag blessed new house. There, there are financial blessings. And he acknowledged that. But he said there is so much. And he was talking about his four kids that are following Jesus. He was talking about who knows how many grandkids that are following Jesus. His ten great grandkids that are being raised in the church. He was talking about the true blessings of God. And God wants to bless us. And I do believe he will take care of us that he wants to throw open the floodgates the second thing is tithing shows that god has 100 percent of my heart it's a way of we're saying to god we're all in you can count on me count me in every team that puts together a team they want to know that they're fully committed to their team that they're not just showing up on friday nights to play the game but they're committed to the team they're committed to the effort it's a tangible way to say i'm in count me in and god spoke all these words exodus 20 he said i am the lord your god who brought you out of egypt that's what we're wanting to see uh, last week we talked about we want to see you get out of financial Egypt we want to see you get out of financial bondage we want to see us be a more hopeful people and you have more hope when you're less in debt I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery you shall have no other gods before me now when I grew up I thought this is so easy of course I'm not going to have any other gods I'm not going to worship Buddha. I'm not going to worship Allah. I'm not going to worship any other God. I'm only going to worship you, God. But that's not what this is. God's is actually a small g God. This is, and God spoke. We're not talking about a deity down here. We're talking about things that are important to us. And God doesn't say don't have any gods, little g. He's saying don't have any other gods before me. That I want to be first. I want to be first. And so we have a lot of different little gods that aren't wrong. It's, it's your, it's your spouse. It can be your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It can be your kids, your grandkids. It can be your work. It can be where you spend your hobbies and your leisure and your, and your fun times and those things. There can be a lot of little gods that, that are uh, vie for our affection. But God is saying, there shall be no second place. I do not want to be second place. I don't want to be third place. I want to be first. So what is the God I'm most tempted to worship? Well, Jesus tells us, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money is the thing that fights harder for any of our affection than anything else. For most of us, uh, Maybe, maybe there's a few that, that it, that's not the case. But for most of us, money is something that fights harder for our devotion or for our affection than anything else. And so by tithing, we're telling God that he's number one. When we tithe, when we, when we return to him, when we give to him, we're telling God, you're number one. Why is this important? Because God won't rest until he's number one in your life. That goes for anything. I can tell you, you being here today, money may not be the issue, but God will not rest until he is number one in your life. God wants to be first. God wants to be number one. 
Heather, um, when we were in our first church as senior pastors, she went away to a ladies retreat and she came back and said, you got to hear the conversation that she wasn't leading it. She was just an attender. And she said, uh, somehow the subject got brought up on tithing. And that was kind of the lesson. They were talking about tithing. And a young lady spoke up and said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I can't afford to tithe. And Heather said, you won't believe the next words came out from Michelle Colombo. I still remember Michelle Colombo. Michelle Colombo said these next words. He said, honey, I can't afford not to. She was saying, I, you see, I'm putting, I'm transferring this responsibility on who it is. I'm, I'm putting it on God. I'm trusting him. You see, greed is one of the things that we that we, that fights hardest for us. And that's why giving is worship. That's why when you'll hear sometimes the people say, hey, we're going to worship now through our giving. You've heard that maybe growing up in church. We're going to worship through our giving because giving is worship. It's the way that we put God first. And you're not giving to the church. You're giving to God through the church. God doesn't need your money. And this church is up to God and God's had this place going for well over 115 years and it'll be his determination to decide how long it goes. May we be found faithful and good stewards in our time, in our generation. But you don't give to the church, you give to God through the church. And so the elephant in the room is, I'm trying to remember those words. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. Don't be mean about it. Trying to do that. The elephant in the room is this. We can all say how much we love Jesus. We can all say how much we love Jesus. But do we? You know, my dad was a pastor. He used to say the the biggest hypocrite in the church Our two young, in love teenagers sitting on the back row, holding hands, singing, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. You're getting it. (laughs) We can go to church. We can serve. We can love what our church is doing. But the elephant in the room is this. We can be in Bible studies. But until God gets a hold of your money, you're not serious. This doesn't mean you're not saved. This doesn't mean God doesn't love you. You've trusted God with your salvation, but have you trusted him with being your Lord? There's a difference between Savior and Lord, and God wants to be Savior and Lord. He, he, God doesn't want to just save us. He wants to lead us. And you may have trusted God to save you, but you're not trusting God to lead you. And God is inviting. And there's joy when we surrender and give him authority and leadership, not just in any area of our life. I mean, this is true that God wants to be first in everything. God wants to be, you know, he wants to be first in in your day. I don't know about you, but my day goes better when I give God the first of my day. Does that mean all my days are good days? No, no. 
We all have bad days because we live in a broken world. But I'm telling you, even on my bad days, I have a confidant. I have a counselor. I have a helper. I have a guide. I have a leader that helps me through it, that helps me make that bad day better, helps me get through that day, helps me, helps me be, be, be strong in that because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and it's putting God first. Maybe money's not your issue. Maybe you're sitting this through your sermon and says, I don't have a problem with debt. I don't have a problem with giving. I don't have a problem with saving. But you're not putting God first in your marriage. And, and you're seeking for your own. You're seeking your own happiness and what you are not getting or not getting out of it. And then if both of you, even better, both of you would come together and say, we're going to give God our marriage first. We're going to put we're going to put God at the first of our marriage. We're going to pray together. We're going to read the Bible together. We're going to go to church together. We are going to put God first in our marriage. I believe that would solve 90% of the marriage problems in our world if we would just simply put God first. God first in our work. God first in our leisure. And yes, God first in our money. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That is a promise, a blessing. I love this verse, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'll be the first person to say that this isn't easy. I'll be the first person. I'm going to, going to lie to you. You'll be tested when you decide to, hey, I'm going to give, you're, you're going to be tested. Now we test the Lord, but I'm telling you, you're going to be tested too. There, there's, you're going to run into, a, you know, an emergency. You're going to run into a financial emergency. Something's going to break down. That's why we want you to go to financial peace because we want you to build up an emergency fund because life happens and we want to be better prepared for those emergencies so we can live more financially free. Something's going to go wrong, but we need to trust him. It's kind of like the little boy who was on his uh, way to church and he had two quarters and he had one quarter he was going to use for the candy bar back before inflation. And uh, he was going to use one quarter for the candy bar and he was going to use one quarter. He was excited to put in the offering at church and he's on his way and he's flipping one of those quarters and one of those quarters goes down into the drain and goes down where he can't reach it. And he looks up to God and he said, sorry, God, I lost your quarter. <laughs> That's kind of how we treat our money sometimes. It's like, sorry, God, I'm going to have to wait till next week. I'm going to have to wait till next month. I'm going to have to wait till next year. I'm going to have to wait for years from now. God promises when we tithe, we're better off living on 90% rather than 100%. That's what Michelle Colombo in Rockland, California was saying in that ladies group. She was saying, I would rather trust God with my 90% than live on my own with my 100%. I'm trusting God that he is my provider. He's the one that will take care of us. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Do we believe God's word? Do we believe his word? If we believe his word, he tells us he's gonna take care of us. He tells us there's going to be blessings. And again, some of those blessings are financial. I, I would love to say that, um, you know, every time that someone uh, gave, and I've had friends do this, that they took that step and they gave and they came back and you said, you know what? I got an unexpected check for the exact same amount in the mailbox this week. I want to tell you, I know that's happened, but that's rare. 
I'm going to tell you more what often is going to happen. You're going to make that commitment. And that week, the car is going to break down. Not because God's testing you. So I'm going to make that car break down this week. It's because life happens. It's because things break down. But you'll be tested. You'll be tested in this journey. But I'm telling you, God can be trusted. Do we believe that there's other blessings? I just believe God blesses. And I'm not a prosperity gospel, but I do, I will say this. I believe every raise I've ever received is God. I believe every promotion I've ever received is God. I believe that every blessing I received is God. I I believe the good things in my life, the spiritual, my girls walking with Jesus, I believe is God. I believe there's something when we put God first, that he honors that. Blessings is not just financial, so many other things. And if you'll trust God, I think you could start making a blessing journal and you could start seeing where God is blessing and where he has been faithful. Because I believe this, friends, you cannot out give God. There's times in my life and Heather's life that um, I grew up. I know this is hard for some. You didn't grow up with this. I was taught this when I first got my first mowing job when I was 10 years old. I was taught when you made the $15, you gave $1.50. And so it became kind of more of a natural thing. Because very unnatural thing to do, I get it. It's a trust thing. But there's been times where God has asked Heather and I to give above and beyond our tithes to do some special gifts and some special givings. And sometimes where I thought, I don't know how we can do this. I don't know how we're going to do this. And I don't have time to tell the stories. Maybe someday I'll write a book, but I'll just tell you this. God more than supplied our need. He more than was, he was more than faithful to us. He that more than took care of us and you cannot outgive God. So today is going to be a little bit different. Today, I'm going to ask our volunteers uh, they're going to pass something out to you. Again, if this is your first Sunday here, I apologize. I'm excited next week. It's going to be a fun, fun next week. I mean, it's really, it's about what God can do when we begin to plan for our future. I'm really excited a couple weeks from now, the names that God has changed. But today I'm asking all of our volunteers, um, they're going to pass out these uh, cards to you right now. And if they can pass these cards out quickly, if you can go as quickly as you can, because I can only stall so long. And you can even, yeah, go out and get some more from others. If you can pass those out as quickly as possible, just be generous. There's plenty of these. So they'll probably pass it down your row. And I'll just kind of read this to you today while you're receiving it. And then I'll talk about it. This is the 90-day tithing challenge. This is something I don't normally do. This is out of my comfort zone. So I know it's out of your comfort zone. But I believe in this so strongly. We believe in the FPU, that you pay the $80, you complete the course, you're going to get out of a lot of debt, and you're going to get $100 back. There's no, we want to have, have you find places where you can land in a good way. So the 90-day giving challenge, I'm going to go ahead and read it, even though you still may be receiving, says... There's two boxes. One, I would like to test God's faithfulness by accepting the 90-day tithing challenge. I agree that starting next Sunday, my household will give God through HFN a tithe equal to 10% of my income or our income. At the end of the 90-day period, if I, am, if I am not convinced of God's faithfulness to bless my life as a result of my obedience to his word, then I will be entitled to request a refund of the full amount of contributions made during this 90-day period. The second one is just stating that you already give 10% and you're blessed by that. We mean this. This isn't uh, meant to be manipulation. 
Uh, we're not trying to trick you. Uh, by the way, you won't be doing this with me. Brian, who is up here leading on our worship team, who's our bookkeeper and treasure, at the end of the 90 day, you just go to him privately. You don't come to me and you just say, hey, um, I don't see, I don't believe that's going to happen. I believe that strongly about it, but there'll be no questions asked, no judgment. Brian doesn't bite. Uh, but at the end of the 90 days, if you're like, I didn't see where God was faithful to us. I didn't see his faithfulness without questions. No questions asked. We will refund the $90. He has record of it just as you'll have record of it. And I just want to encourage you. I don't want anyone to feel guilt or manipulation. We, God loves a cheerful giver. We want cheerful, cheerful givers. The last thing I want is someone to sign something today that they don't leave here feeling excited about it, challenged by it, cheerful about it. Can I just share a story that, um, you know, if you came up to me and you said, Kent, you're going to run a marathon, 26.2 miles. Uh, I'm telling you, you're going to run a marathon and I'm giving you that order. You're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm not going to do it if I don't want to. You're not going to manipulate me like that. Well, I'm, uh, but when my youngest daughter, uh, her senior Olivet, last, last spring, a guy comes to her school in chapel and says, hey, I'm with World Vision. We want to end uh, those. We want everybody in the world to have fresh drinking water. We're building wells and we're asking you to run 26.2 miles in the Chicago Marathon. And every dollar that you raise will go and ever so much amount helps them eliminate and help people have fresh drinking water. And uh, there was about 3,000 in that auditorium that day. And they asked anyone that wanted to sign up. 80 students signed up. Uh, Riley's never run a marathon, but she signed up for it. Uh, 60 are still in that race set to run on October 8th. And I started getting excited for her. And I began to think, man, could I maybe kind of train with her and do this alongside her? And so she's in Florida and I'm here. And I was like, man, I'm 52 years old in my mind. I'm thinking, I'd, I'd like to try this. Heather's ran a marathon. Riley's going to run a marathon. I don't want to be the guy that ne- never, never did it. So I just began to privately in my mind to think, I'm going to start training alongside her. And she would give me her weekly schedule of what it was to train. And so I just told my family, I didn't tell Heather what I was doing. I, I was afraid to, because I didn't want to fail. And then, you know, hey, I said I was going to do this. I didn't do this. So I haven't done it yet. So this is the first time I'm going public with it. Uh, but um, my first goal was in the 1st of June when I went to see them in Florida, that I was going to be able to run five miles with them. And I just want to say, hey guys, I just want to run with you. You know, that first time while we're there, I'm going to get to spend time with you. So I'll run with you. Did that. And then I knew I was going to see them at a wedding in Kansas City in July. And I said, hey, what do we have to run by then? They said, eight miles. I said, hey, I'll run that with you too. And so I began to continue to train. Now I had some setbacks. I want you to know I was excited and no one told me to do this. So I was excited to do this. I'm not running the Chicago Marathon. I'm going to run my own Hutchison Bueller Nickerson Marathon or something. Uh, if God allows me to and I don't break down. And I've had a few breakdowns. I got mono for a couple of weeks. So that slowed me down. And I didn't think I was going to be able to. I got back on the horse. Then this ankle down here, I was just limping. And I couldn't hardly walk um, someday. Sometimes you saw me at church after my long runs. I was trying not to limp or walk. But I went to my doctor, Dr. Stark. He goes to our church. And I said, hey, I got a problem here. Can you help me? And he looked at it, did an x-ray. And he said, hey, you're old. <laughs> and uh, I said, I, I said, what's, what, 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 can, can I, can I still run? He goes, yeah, you got some arthritis in this left foot just from wear and tear over the years. And he said, you can, you can run. Um, but he said, I'm going to fill you in on a little secret in the running world. You and I are what they call Clydesdales. 
tall and stout. Now, if you know Dr. Starkey, he's tall. I may have gone to kindergarten twice, but I'm no dummy. And I thought, okay, you're stout. I mean, you're tall. I'm the stout one. And so he said, no, you can do it, but we're, we're kind of Clydesdales. And so I was excited because my goal, I told Heather and the girls, when I take Riley back to college in August, I want to run the 16 miles. That's where she'll be at that point. They were like, they're all with me and all for me. Last Saturday, I ran that 16 miles with Riley. It was a blast. Well, it was hard. Uh, but at the end, there was a feeling of satisfaction. But I, uh, at the end, I, I told Heather, okay, I said, Riley, what's, what's next week's schedule? What do I have to do next week? She told me, and Heather's looking at me. She's like, I thought you were just doing this so you could run the 16 miles with her and you're not going to continue to run anymore. I said, yeah, I didn't tell you this, but... I kind of wanted to see if I could get there too. And I don't know if I can make it or not, but I'd like to see it. She goes, but Kent, you're a Clydesdale. (laughs) True words. She said those words. She cares for my health. She doesn't want me to do long-term damage. But can I tell you, there has been fun, joy, hard doubts, but there's a joy and there's a satisfaction. And I believe that there's some people here today that it is bigger for you to think about tithing than it is for a 52 year old to run 26.2 miles. That's a much bigger step. And you're thinking, I don't know how I can do this. We just want to help your faith. We want to help you take a step of faith that you can say, Hey, I can take this step and I have nothing to lose in 90 days. If I haven't seen God's faithfulness to my family, I'm going to go to Brian at the church and we're going to refund that 90 days of tithing. That's simply what it is. And I want to just encourage you because some of us, we've trusted Jesus Christ for our salvation, but we haven't trusted him for our Lord. We trusted him to save us, but we haven't trusted him to lead us. This is an invitation to let him lead you. And there's a thrill in the journey and you'll get stronger and you didn't know you could do it, but you'll see the blessings and you'll see God getting you stronger. So we're going to sing this last song together. It's just, uh, I requested this song specifically. We sang it last week at Riley's church. And then I saw that you guys sang it. And I said, would you sing it again, Dustin? Because it says exactly what I want it to say. Will we make room for God? And you're just going to be seated. You're going to listen. Um, in a moment at the end of the song, Pastor Nate will close our service. And you can put those um, in the buckets as they go by. Whether it's a blank card or whether it's a card. I don't want you manipulated. I don't want you. And if you're new here, I'm certainly not talking to you. But if this is your church, I want you to take that next step in your faith journey. And see that you can trust God.